I'm Pastor Brad. I, as they said, I'm from Stonington Baptist Church, uh, just down the road a little ways in Paxinus. And I am so thrilled to be with you. This is uh, when uh, Brother Rich Price approached us. If we wanted to uh, participate and help uh, pull this thing off, uh, I jumped at the chance. This is so exciting to just uh, come together as uh, a group of churches, a group of believers, the literal family of God, and just uh, preach about Jesus. And uh, I just want to say before we get going, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, Don't let the empty chairs near you discourage you. You are here on purpose. Uh, God has you here, not by accident, not by happenstance. He has you here, I think, to hear some good news. <laughs> do you want to hear some good news tonight? <laughs> That's what I, I hope to do. Uh, I, I don't have good news, but I know who does, and his name is Jesus, and it comes from the Bible. And so I'm going to take you to the scriptures, because I think, uh, regardless of what anyone has led you to believe, the Bible, if you have one in front of you, it's full of good news. <laughs> it's chock full of it. And I want to show you that tonight. Uh, If you have your Bible, uh, I invite you to turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. If you don't have it, you can look up on your phone. Or if you don't have your phone, just believe me, I'm preaching God's Word. (laughs) Uh, We're in Mark, chapter 10. And uh, there's this story that the Bible tells. It tells it in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke as well. But I love this version in the Gospel of Mark. It tells the story of this young man who runs up to Jesus with a very, very urgent question. You can tell that it's urgent and it's pressing on his mind precisely because he's running to Jesus to ask him this question. In Mark chapter 10, verse 17, it says this. As he, that is Jesus, was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt down before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This, as you might know, is the story that is commonly referred to as the rich young ruler. That's sort of how it's been often referred to. And he asked this question to Jesus, how can I assure myself that I have eternal life? Basically, if you want to make it a little bit simpler, how can I guarantee my spot in the afterlife? How can I make sure that I'm getting into, quote, the good place? (laughs) How can I be sure of that? I wonder... How many of you have thought about that question before? How many of you have thought about what will happen to me when I pass from this earth? Maybe you've been avoiding it because it makes you really scared. Makes you fearful. It makes you sad to leave all these things that you've put so much stock into, so much weight into. Maybe it makes you nervous because you have no idea what lies ahead of you. You don't know how to make sure uh, of where you're going. You don't know how to get peace. I'd wager. I'm not a betting man, but if I were, I would bet that everyone in this room has thought about this question at some point in their life. It's troubled philosophers and thinkers for thousands of years. (laughs) The question of what happens to us when we die. Jesus, though, is asked the same question, and he answers it, I think, in one of the most surprising ways ever. This young man runs to Jesus, what's going to happen to me when I die? How can I be sure of my eternal security? And Jesus answers him with a question of his own. Verse 18 of chapter uh, 10 of Mark. Jesus answers, uh, or the young man comes and says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, why do you call me good? (laughs) Jesus asked him, no one is good except God alone. Jesus turns this question back on the young man. Because this young man was basically coming to Jesus 
Asking, teacher, teach me what I can do. Teach me what I need to accomplish in order to guarantee my spot in paradise. Good teacher, teach me how I can take action to make this a reality. You see, in the mind of this young man, heaven, eternal life, everlasting life, was a, a door that was simply opened by following just a few steps. If he could just do a a few things, check off a few boxes, then he could have security. He would be safe. And I get the sense that this young man here in this passage, you know what he's desperate for? He's desperate for approval. He's seeking approval from this teacher who has made a name for himself, Jesus of Nazareth. And he wants him to tell him, I've done enough. That's what he's after. He's actually seeking that Jesus would tell him, good job, young man. You have made it. You've done enough. (laughs) You've earned your spot in the good place. But that's not what Jesus says. (laughs) He asks him. Why do you call me good? And then he turns the question back on the young man. And he actually draws him back to the Bible. Verse 19. Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Verse 19. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. If you've had a a church background, you might know what those are. Those are the Ten Commandments, or at least some of them. You notice he's he's turning the young man. You know what the Bible says. The Bible says, do this, do this, don't do that. You might call this, so to speak, the litmus test for goodness. Goodness looks like this, Jesus appears to say. It means not lying, not stealing, not cheating, not fooling around with someone else who's not your wife or your husband. It it means being good. (laughs) And uh, it appears then that Jesus has just given everyone the best secret. (laughs) You want to get in? Be good. You want to get in to heaven? You just got to be good. (laughs) Easy, easy, right? (laughs) The young man understood this question exactly like that. I just got to be good. (laughs) Because without even flinching at what Jesus has just said, watch the young man's reaction. I just love this. (laughs) Jesus has just revealed to him, you got to do all these things or not do all these things. (laughs) And then the young man says, teacher, I have kept all these from my youth. (laughs) I've already done all that. You talk about being good. I've, I've been good my whole life. I've always gone to church. I've always been generous with my money. I've always been generous with my time. I've always gone out of my way to do things for other people. I've been good my whole life. I've already done that. According to this young man, he's never told a lie that big. He's never really killed anyone, even though he might have thought about it. He's never stolen anything, maybe just a pack of gum at the grocery store or something like that. It's just the small things. He's never really stolen big, big item things. And he's never been immoral with anyone, really, maybe in his mind, but but not actually. He hasn't carried it out. He's he's done that. He's I've 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 lived up to the letter of what the Bible says, Jesus. In the mind of this young man, he's done enough. That's what he thinks. And maybe uh, 
Maybe you're like me. When I read this passage, my eyes always widen when I read of the arrogance of this young man who is confronted with the Bible itself, God's holy inspired word that says, do not do these things. And he says, yeah, I've done that. I'm good. (laughs) He thinks he's good enough for heaven. He sounds like a goody (laughs) two-shoes. But because Jesus is full of love, He responds to the swagger of this young man, not out of contempt or anything else, but with compassion. The young man, he responds and says, I've done that already. And what does Jesus say? Verse 21, looking at him, I love this, Jesus loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. A devastating response from Jesus, I think. For this young man who has banked on his resume. He's banked on all the things that he's done. I've done all these for my youth. And Jesus says, there's still one thing you're missing. Still one thing you lack. Still one thing that you're not sure of. And in the mind of Jesus, which is perfect, that one thing meant everything. He had done a lot. This young man. A lot that was good. And then Jesus says, there's still one thing missing. Notice. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Let me tell you, this particular passage is not about finances. What Jesus was telling to him is if you're trying to get into heaven by being a rich young ruler, your money has no value. You can't buy your way in. And if you're trying to get in by being charitable, you can't just give a sliver. You have to give everything. You have to give perfectly. You've done a lot that's good, and that's not good enough. Because guess what? Heaven's door is not merely opened by being good or doing good. Guess how it's opened? It's opened by perfection. Is opened by being perfect. That's where the good place is opened up to. By those who are perfect. And the young man is completely flabbergasted by this news. Verse 22. The young man was dismayed. Saddened. Grieved. His heart sank at this demand. And he went away grieving. Because he had many possessions. He couldn't deal with the standard of perfection. He didn't want to lose his status. He didn't want to lose all that he'd done. He thought he had done enough. And those words are too much for him. The demand was too much. So he goes away grieving. Maybe. Maybe right now you're feeling a little bit grieved and saddened. <laughs> you're, you're like this young man. Did Jesus really mean that? When he said that you have to go sell everything, you don't have to just give a sliver of your paycheck. You have to literally give everything. If you want to buy your way into heaven, that's the standard. You have to give perfectly. Is that really the standard? Is perfection the bar I have to meet? Doesn't God make exceptions for people like me who can't be perfect? (laughs) Valid questions. (laughs) But Jesus, I think, knowing this, I love what happens because he turns... To his followers, sensing the moment, the sadness of this young man going away, saddened, very grieved. (laughs) And he turns to his followers and he actually 
presses that point even further. Verse 23, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, his followers, how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter into the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words. They're surprised. And again, Jesus said to them, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. He's using hyperbole to try and draw everyone's attention. If you're trying to buy your way in, like this rich young man was, then it's impossible. You would try to have to fit a camel through the eye of a needle that you would use for sewing. (laughs) He's using a really crazy example to drive home a point that it's impossible. You can't do it. And his apostles, (laughs) those 12 that were around Jesus for those three years... They are even more astonished. Look at verse 26. I feel so bad for these guys. They were even more astonished, it says, saying to one another, then who can be saved? Aren't they so human right here? After reading this passage several times, I always come to the same point that the apostles do. Who can do that? Who can be saved then if this is how we have to live? If you're trying to say that entrance into heaven is 100% perfection, like the apostles, who can be saved? Who can do this? And I think as I like to sometimes imagine what the apostles might have been saying. Because I I imagine here the apostles were kind of like, Jesus, are you sure about what you just said? You want to clarify? Is that really true? I love, this is, this is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Maybe you read ahead and you already got excited and that's okay. <laughs> Verse 27 of Mark chapter 10. Remember that. Looking at them. After they ask this question, who can be saved, Jesus? If that's the bar, who can be saved? And what does Jesus say? With man, it is impossible, but not with God because all things are possible with God (laughs) you want to just stay in that moment though hear what Jesus is saying yes it is impossible for you He's driving that home to everyone in earshot. Yes, it is impossible. I meant what I said. You have to be perfect. The goodness of the good place is not just good enough. That doesn't pass. That doesn't fly. That doesn't get you in. It's 100%, 24-7, unwavering perfection. No no little uh, accidents. No little happy accidents. No little faults. No little exceptions. If you're trying to inherit eternal life right here, right now, trying to get your way into heaven and spend glory with Jesus, that's the standard. If you're trying to do that on your own, the standard is be perfect. Let me ask you, how, that's, how is that going for you? When was the last time you killed someone? You don't have to raise your hand. I'm not going to like call you out. When was the last time? Just, you can think about it. <laughs> or I should ask a better question. When was the last time you maybe wanted to? <laughs> You're driving. That person didn't see you and cut you off. 
When you get angry, you know what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5? That both are failures of God's law. Both are failures of his perfection. Anger and going out and actually carrying out the deed. Lust and actually going out and carrying out the deed. Both fail God's standard. And the point is, you can't meet this standard. Failing at one means you're failing at both. And if you fail at either, you're not getting in. It sounds impossible. I ask again, like the apostles, who can, what kind of good news is this? Who, who can be saved? Jesus. This sounds like bad news, not good news. This sounds like you're actually trying to drive people away. But I think this is the point of all, all along. Jesus' point is you cannot be good enough on your own. It's impossible. It's as impossible as trying to squeeze a camel through the eye of a needle. You can't get in by being good. You can't get in by being spiritual or being pure or being right or being loyal or being moral or being political. The only way that you and I have entrance into heaven is by believing this, that Jesus was enough for you. That Jesus was perfect for you. That's the good news. You see, when, when Jesus was stretched out on that wood of Rome and he had nails pierce his hands and he had a spear gash his side and he has thorns run down his head and blood is streaming down his face, you know what he's doing? He's buying your perfection. He's saying, I'm doing this for you, for the world. And translate that to you right here in the seats. He did that for me, Pastor Brad. The ways that I failed his perfection, he was buying. The ways that I failed to live up to that standard that is so good, that impossible standard, he was securing for me. And he did all of this because you and I never could. It was utterly impossible. And yes, this is the good news. Jesus did the impossible for us. The song we sang last night, Rattle. When has impossible ever stopped you? This is what Jesus does. And he's driving us to that point that, no, you cannot be enough in and of yourself. No, you can never be enough. Jesus is your enoughness. That's the wonderful news that Jesus says, Matthew 11, at the end of the chapter, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest from trying to find your enoughness in things, in money, in power, in sex, in jobs, in drugs, in other relationships. You find it in me, not in any of those things. You find it in me. What we could never do on our own, he does for us. Gospel, good news. He lives perfectly. Fully perfect, 100%, 24-7, unwavering perfection. Jesus, God, become flesh. God, become man, lives in your place. And dies in your place. Paying all of the penalty for your wrongdoing and mine. You see, contrary to what you 
have previously thought. Maybe you've never been in church or maybe, I don't know. I don't know what your church background is. Heaven is actually not a place for people who are perfect. (laughs) It's not a place full of other goody (laughs) two-shoes. Precisely because no one has ever gotten to heaven by being good. The only way you get to heaven, the only answer to this young man's question is that Jesus was good for them. Heaven is a place for those who trust their lives to the good news that perfection was won and perfection was died for. And guess what? Jesus, when he dies, gives your, his perfection to you. He hands it out as a gift. It's a place heaven is. For those who know they can never be enough. Knowing that they have already been given the enoughness of God's only begotten son. A perfect enoughness. A holy enoughness. And that's who this Jesus is. Let's answer this young man's initial question then. Just to condense the passage. What must I do to inherit eternal life? How could I guarantee a spot in the afterlife for me? The Bible says elsewhere, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one he has sent. You know what the answer is? Believe. Repent and believe the good news. Repent of all the ways you've tried and failed to do what he is saying here. And believe that Jesus fulfills that for you. That's the gospel. That's the good news. This is what he's after. Repent and believe. I am here. I am your enoughness. I am your perfection. With Jesus' life, uh, everlasting life is possible. With Jesus' death, heaven's door is opened for one and for all. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what you've left at home to be here. Jesus is your perfection. Jesus is your enoughness. And the only requirement, if you want to call it that, is to believe. (laughs) To stop trying all your piddly ways of trying to make it on your own. And repent and believe. If you forget, you can forget everything else I've told you, because I'm just a man. (laughs) Read the Bible. It's true. It's good. It's always good. Remember this, though. Eternal life is yours, not because of your perfection, but because of Jesus's. Not because you are all put together. You have your life all neat and tidy and all your ducks in a row. But because Jesus bled out for you. Jesus took nails for you. Jesus took a spear for you. Jesus took the cross for you. And now heaven's door is opened. (laughs) The saddest thing in life to me, is the fact that heaven's door is open to one and all. I don't care who you are. People will either go to hell not knowing or rejecting that news. 
This door never closes on you. Jesus never shuts the door in your face. (laughs) He leaves it open for one and for all to come to him (laughs) and repent and believe and be made whole. To put on the new man, as Paul says, like a robe that looks like a bridal gown. You know, that's what Isaiah says in Isaiah, I think it's chapter 61. (laughs) He talks about salvation as though you're being bedecked like a bride at a wedding. That's how beautiful he makes you. (laughs) This is the good news. Heaven is won by the perfection of another. Who gives it to you? Are you ready to receive it? Are you ready to receive it tonight?